0: Get into the word for today I'm going to preach from Hebrews chapter 5 I'm going to talk about mature Christianity you know so many times we have been at a place where we feel that we're not mature enough uh, are we where the Lord wants us and um, we've read a passage in Hebrews 6 which states that the message of the resurrection and faith towards God and so forth is just elementary messages and that we must move on to perfection and move on to greater things. Now I want to read from Hebrews there. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, Therefore leaving the principles or the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, And this we will do if God permits. So what happens here is we come to a place where we look at the basic doctrines that's mentioned here and we see faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, the message of the resurrection and the judgment of God, especially the message of the resurrection here which Paul talks about all the time, is seen as something that we need to move away from and move unto maturity. Now, let us just read it again and just see how it sounds if we just read it uh, just as it's written there. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permit. So it is, um, and I've seen this when I speak on the resurrection, that, and I've had this happen to me many times, not just once, but many times, people come to me and say back to you, you know, why do you want to preach on the resurrection? It's an elementary message, and we don't need to, talk on that we need to move on to maturity we need to move on to the greater things in the kingdom of god now the question is if we say that the resurrection the hope of the resurrection uh, eternal judgment what the lord is going to bring forth in this earth and all those things are elementary and we need to move on to the greater things what are those greater things hopefully the greater things um, would not be start to be kind, be merciful, give, show your commitment, and, and, and just going back to the law. So what would the greater things be? What I found is that a lot of the time, especially when I was in Bible school time, when we talked about the greater things, we actually, in our subconscious, in, in our thoughts, refer to leave your nonsense and start, and start to serve Jesus and do what's right. And I want to tell you that is not the maturity that the Apostle Paul was pointing to. That is not what he was pointing to. When we talk about the hope of the gospel, we are talking about a power that God has that is so powerful that it can conquer your sin and death in this life and He, by His doing, can bring forth eternal life. We need to understand that The message of hope, the message of the resurrection is so powerful when it's believed by the Christian that the Spirit brings forth what God has always dreamt for that person. Now, uh, to understand Hebrews 6 verse 1 there, we need to go on and uh, read from chapter 5. And I'm going to just lay the foundation quickly here. In chapter 4, he comes and he says that Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive time, help in the time of need for we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities and then it goes on in chapter 5 and it explains on how he is compassionate and how he went through what we went through and that's why he can have compassion for us and that's why he can bring forth sacrifices unto sin and what it actually means is he can bring forth something and offer something in our relationship with God that can save us from sin another word for sin is our weakness or our inability to have eternal life by our works and then he goes on and he, now we're going to pick it up from from uh, verse 7 uh, Hebrews 5 or 7 we're going to talk about uh, this salvation this this difficulty that Jesus went through, and I'm going to explain the passage where where it says that Jesus um, learned obedience through the things he suffered, which is an important thing to understand in this whole thing about mature Christianity. Here Jesus comes and he says, and he said in another place, you are, this is verse 6, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learnt obedience by the things he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, um, Now let's read on, verse 10, uh, verse 11, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing, For uh, um, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that is unskilled in the word of righteousness... Um, he is a babe but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil therefore leaving the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on to perfection so very important he talks about he says let us go on to perfection leaving the basic principles of God now what is that Here it is clear. Jesus comes and He says here, and hear this, He says that He was in the day when He was on the earth. Jesus was going through a very difficult time. And He was suffering just as what we were suffering. He was suffering with temptation the way we are suffering with temptation. Remember the Bible says Jesus was tempted. And then as He was tempted, and as He was going through these difficult times, He was crying tears and and praying to God that God would, to the God that could save him from death. And then it says he was heard in that he feared or regarded or honored God. The word fear doesn't mean to be afraid of the Father. The word fear here means to worship or have adoration for the Father. So he said that he was on the earth, he was the Son of God, yet there was no evidence that he was the Son of God because he was in a dying body. And he cried out to the Father, the Father would save him from death. That's what he wanted. He wanted salvation from death because he was incarnated into a body that had the ability to die. And he wanted to be saved from that death. That's what Jesus wanted. And he cried to the Father who was able to save him from death. And he was also heard in that he honored the Father. He continued to believe in the Father and the father heard his prayer, and the father did save Jesus from death in the resurrection. Then it goes on and it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So, what is the context of perfection here? Here Jesus was, and he learned, although he was the son, He learned obedience by what he suffered. What does that mean? This is what it means. It's just a very difficult way of saying, although he was a son, he continued to obey the Father in the midst of all of his sufferings. And this is what the Apostle Paul wants to use to encourage us when he says that we are sons of God, but we are going through sufferings and let us obey the Lord What is this obedience? Continue to believe that he will show forth our sonship in him conquering our sins, in him conquering our death. That is what this is all about. So Jesus learned what it was to obey the father. He was the son and he walked in obedience to the voice of the father, although he was having all these difficulties. In other words, when he was seeing Um, on the age of 30, that he didn't feel like what he felt at the age of 17. When he um, was seeing death creeping in on him, what did he do? He, He said, well, I'm still the son of God. Now, something that I need to make clear that I forgot to say in the beginning of the service. Let us define what a son of God is. A son of God is someone that is equal with God. Now, the Bible says that God is the only immortal and the only one that is above sin. We, see, we find that, you know, he is, he is the only immortal. He's the only one that's got eternal life. He's the only one that's got that. So, he, in order for us to be a son of God, we will have to have immortality. But we know that we don't have that. And even if we don't have that, we don't have immortality... God comes and he still declares that we are sons. But he says, I will show forth your sonship in raising you from the dead. Now, um, I feel like the Apostle Paul feels. I so wish we can go on and talk about the effects of this resurrection, but we still need to explain this resurrection to the church because we find so many people not knowing what this resurrection is all about, not even understanding salvation from death. Uh, not even seeing what Christ has actually brought forth for us. And we are we are at the place where the church falls so many times back into legalism that we have to teach the basic principles over and over and over all the time. Which is not needed once we've come to the understanding of what this perfection actually is. Now, another thing that is um, that we need to understand is this, that when we talk about the resurrection and these kind of things, it might sound difficult to understand, but it is actually very, very easy. And let me explain to you the simplicity of it. This is the simplicity. Adam was taken from dust. He didn't have eternal life inherently. He had, it had to be given to him as a gift. Adam didn't believe the Father and he definitely died. He surely died. And Jesus came to give us eternal life as a free gift. And as we trust him, he gives us life. So when we see this Jesus giving this life, that's the gospel. That is the simplicity of the gospel. But we've made it so complicated. We've made it about how hot is hell? How are we going to suffer? How God wants to, you know, purify us through difficult times. And we've got so many different Christian doctrines legalism and law where we've taken the good news of Jesus where he's come to give us life and immortality as a free gift and we've mixed it in with legalism and law Greek philosophies and so forth and now when we think from a legalistic perspective and we come with a grace message it is difficult for folk to understand so I want to say to you if something sounds a bit complicated it it is not always complicated it might be our wrong belief that complicates the simplicity that there is in Jesus. So, this is what I want to say. And let us just summarize the first part of what I want to say here. Paul comes and he wants to teach the people on the effects of the resurrection and that they should go on to perfection. But these people are still in need of the basic doctrines that needs to be preached what is this basic doctrine that needs to be preached and what is perfection what is the perfection they need to go on to the perfection we see clearly here in verse 9 and Jesus was made perfect how when he trusted the father and believed the father could save him from death then he was made perfect how was he made perfect by the resurrection and after he was made perfect through the resurrection he became the author of salvation, salvation from death for all those who trust him, why? So that they can be made perfect, with what? With the resurrection from the dead, isn't that simple? Let me just recap that again, I want you to understand that, Jesus came in a sinful body, his body well, let me put it this way, he came in an earth body, an earthly body that had the attributes of dust, which, which is the inability to be like God by your works. Jesus was in that body. Then the father, Then the father said to him, although you are in this earth suit, if you want to call it like that, and you are inside a body that is dying, I want to say to you, you are still my son. Meaning, eternal life and immortality belongs to you. And Jesus then did not try to have eternal life by his own works. He simply trusted the Father. And as he trusted the Father, and he obeyed the Father in simply believing what the Father has promised, in the midst of everything in his life that showed and was signs that he was not immortal, he trusted the Father. And then the Father perfected him. In the resurrection. So what was Jesus' prayer? Jesus' prayer was, Father save me from death. Save me from death. And what did the Father save him from? He saved him from death. How did he save him from death? By through the power of the Holy Spirit, Raising him from the dead. And that resurrection is called perfection. He was perfected in that he was now, uh, indwelling a, a, a body that was alive on account of the Holy Spirit that was above sin and above death. That is perfection. That's what the Bible defines as perfection. Even in Philippians 3, it says the same thing. Now, Paul comes, he says, Guys, you are in need of me teaching the first principles of the kingdom of God. I still need to teach you that Jesus was raised from the dead. I still need to teach you that we can be, that there's a resurrection and all those kind of things. But you, you guys don't understand any of those things. Why? Because you've gone back to the law. You're not believing in Jesus the way you're supposed to believe in Jesus. You go back to legalism and law. And you say, Bertie, how, where do you get that? Let's read this. I'm going to read from chapter 6 verse 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. In other words, he says, Let us get away from the place where where you guys are so in the law that I need to preach grace to you. But let us go to what grace offers us, which is a life free from sin and free from death, wherein we expect the Lord to bring forth everything he has promised. Because these people were not at a place where they could have any understanding of life or friendship or... Uh, 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 obedience or anything from the perspective of grace. They still understood everything from the perspective of the law. Let's read that. It says here, Let us move on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works and of faith towards God, and of the doctrine of baptism, the laying of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him, that word him is italicized, I would actually put the word them in there, put themselves to an open shame. So what is saying here is, what is he talking about? He says, listen, you guys were in the law. And then I came, and now you were in need of the first principles of the law. So, In other words, where, where do you need to be in order to qualify for the first principles of the law? An, un- an unbeliever. And the context here was the Hebrews, because it was written to the Hebrews. The Jews, if you want to call it Jews. The Israelites. Physical Israel. And they were the place where they understood nothing. And then Paul came and preached the gospel to them. And as they preached the gospel to them, they were enlightened and they were happy because of the good news of grace. And then he comes and he tells them, listen, get away. This is just another way of saying, get away from the law where we have to preach to you the repentance of dead works. What is the repentance of dead works? The repentance of dead works is simply this. It is when you... Um, you need to repent from the works that comes from the system of death which is obedience to the law to be saved it's simply to repent from works dead works what is the ministration of death it is the law so what is dead works it's works that's based on the law so he says guys why must I teach you again repentance from dead works faith towards God and not faith in yourself (laughs) I need to teach you trust God I'm not now encouraging you to continue in what you already believe I am now having to you are at a place where you've fallen back into legalism and law and I don't even want to preach this to you again because once you've believed the truth and you have fallen back it is impossible to restore such a person now You know, that scripture has also been used to make people so afraid, and I've had people come to me, I'm so afraid, I've, I've committed unpardonable sin, and I cannot be restored, and all that. Let me explain to you what that means. If, it's basically like this. If I've convinced you to buy a Land Rover vehicle, you buy an SUV, you buy a Land Rover, and, oh. Let me use a better example than, than a car. If I give you my book, Jesus is the Tithe, and you listen to Jesus is the Tithe, and you study that book completely, and you are excited about it, and you find how it brings you peace and joy and all those kind of things, and then for some reason you decide to go back to tithing again. And you've read the book, you've understood the book, and then you've turned your back on it what is the chance of, and then you go public, and you tell everybody, I used to believe that, I'm not believing that anymore, now, it is not as if God will not accept you, or as if I will not accept you, if you want to believe in Jesus, he's the tithe, the thing is, you will not want to go back, because you will say, I'm going to make myself a public shame, because I was under tithing, then I went to Jesus is the tithe and now I'm back here and now if I go back there again I'm just putting myself to an open chain and for me if you have believed and and you've walked for two or three four years in what I've taught on tithing and you go back to normal tithing you know what it would even be difficult for me to to share with you because I would feel it is a waste of time not because you cannot be converted back but because of pride and all those things that are involved so what Paul is coming and what he's saying here is he's saying listen man we don't even want to preach to you these basic things anymore because you have believed it and he says because a person that has believed it and completely rejected it it's very difficult for him to jump over his pride to go back to what he has tasted and believed that is what he is saying there and in that context he is saying let us move away from the basic principles, let us move away from the law, where we all the time, have to explain to you again, listen man, Jesus fulfilled the law, God's not angry with you, and all those kind of things, let us move on to perfection, what is this perfection? Now I'm going to submit to you, that perfection is, to reject the old system, and expect the spirit, to bring forth fruit in you, effortlessly, including Um, eternal life. Now, let us go to, um, and I'm going to preach long today, let's go to Colossians, sorry, Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 says, (coughs) Paul comes, he says in verse 9, he says, and I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So he says, I don't want to be under the law, I want to walk by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I have attained either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ, because I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching to those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be this minded. And if in anything there be another mind, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now what is he saying there? Let me explain that. He is saying that Paul is saying I don't want to be found standing in my own righteousness which is of the law or in my the good deed that I can do towards myself in trying to bring life to me by obedience to the law. We can make that very practical and even when it comes towards weaknesses in your life like a temper problem or bitterness or hatred or unforgiveness or uh, you, don't, you cannot forgive yourself or you continue to look at people based on their works and you don't see their value or anything, you can, you can put anything in there. And he says, I don't want to, if you struggle with that, Paul says, I don't want to be set free from that thing, neither do I want to be set free from death by my own ability to try and conquer that by my willpower. That is what he's saying. And he is saying, I want to be found having the righteousness of God or the equitable deed, of God towards me, wherein he brings forth life in me. And this is what he then says. He says, I want to attain unto the resurrection from the dead. I want to attain unto the resurrection from the dead. That is what Paul says there. And then he says, not as though I am already perfect, or as if I have attained unto that. He says, but I am awaiting and I am I am, and now Paul's talking about maturity, a mature Christian. And this is maturity. I'm not in the place where I am still in need to be taught repentance of dead works. I am now walking in the repentance of dead works by not seeking life by the law. That's a mature Christian. And then he says, let us then move on to this perfection. Let us then be at a place where we find the truth of the resurrection of the dead, the truth of the baptisms, the truth of the eternal judgment where Christ ends all death, the truth of um, faith towards God where we don't trust ourselves, let us move on to perfection which is putting those things that are behind us, keeping it behind us and not looking back and expecting the goal of, the goal that Christ had for us and that he had in mind uh, for us, that that is the next thing that will happen to us. That is a mature Christian. A true mature Christian is somebody who is skilled in the word of righteousness. What that means is, it is not somebody that looks at the law and obeys the law and obeys commands and that, that is immature. That is still in need of milk. Even if you do a lot of things correct you are, you, you, and you are not doing, it, it is not God giving birth to it in you, you still immature in need of milk, unskilled in the word of righteousness. What the Bible says, somebody that is skilled in the word of righteousness is him that by reason of use has his senses exercised to discern good and evil. That is what it is. Now, let me explain that. If you are skilled in the word of righteousness, you will very quickly pick up when something is legalism and law and when something is works righteousness, and you will veer away from that. You know, the tree that was in the garden was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is what it was called, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we we, we know that that tree ministers death. When we look at what Christ has done for us, and we are skilled in the word of righteousness, we know that we cannot have eternal life by our works at all. And since we have life by the grace of God, we are at the point where we say, if I've got life by the grace of God, then when law comes to me, then I can quickly discern it, and I can see this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm not partaking of that. So Paul talks uh, uh, t- talks about mature christianity as somebody whose life is based on the message of the resurrection somebody who does not seek blessedness by his works but he says i am standing in the righteous action of god towards me wherein he conquers my sin wherein he conquers my death glory to god so let us move on to perfection in other words let us not be at a place where we embrace the law but let us be at a place where we make use of the resurrected Jesus and what he has done and we apply that to our belief system and we say who Christ is is who we are and what is true in him is true in us and although we are seeing weakness in our lives, although we find that we have not apprehended, we haven't uh, understood everything maybe or, or where we don't see everything for what it is or like Paul says, I have not been made immortal in my body yet. It says, I'm pushing towards that. And how do you push towards eternal life? Paul says, this is how you push towards it. By forgetting the law. (laughs) So who is the mature Christian? The mature Christian is the one that fully identifies with the finished work of Jesus, who rests from his works, wherein he's trying to work to be saved, and he constantly puts the old system behind him and looks to what is in front of him which is holiness by the Holy Spirit's work and not my willpower and at the end, eternal life. Glory to God. So, if I teach on the resurrection, if I teach on um, repentance uh, uh, of, of from dead works, sometimes it is grievous to teach on it because... We don't want to teach on that all the time. We want to go on, and we're gonna we want to communicate about uh, the life that's inside this gospel and how it affects our lives every day. And we want to, like the apostle Paul, go and explain the the, the depths of the love of God that there is, um, like in Galatians one verse three. Let me just touch on that quickly. Let um, me find Galatians. you sorry. And talking about the will of God, wherein God sets us free from things by this grace message, where we can talk and we can say, "You know, I've seen myself in Christ, and I've seen that um, I've seen how the how I am not, my life does not consist out of the abundance of my possessions, and how I've got peace inside me that's greater than understanding, because I've not tried, because I'm not in trying to do this. I see myself." completed in christ and his spirit effortlessly brings these things forth in me that is the, the the communication that we want and that is what we want to talk about we want to address things in this life we want to do counseling we want to talk to our children and in our webchairs we we want to s- and this is what Paul said there. we want to communicate to you as people who fully understand the message of grace so that we can give our advice and our wisdom and our knowledge and how to act in this life and how to have God's life manifest in us from the perspective of grace. But you, when we talk about grace, you don't even know what we're talking about. So we all the time have got to explain this over and over and over. That is what Paul was talking about. He was not saying that the message of of the resurrection is, um, it it, it is something that we must move, that we must pass away and forget about that, because that's just elementary, moving on to deeper things, no, the deeper things that he was talking about, was the effect of that, which that message will have, should you continually base your life on that truth, and never go back to the law, that is what the apostle Paul was saying, so in conclusion, let me just say this, Mm. Don't be condemned by the message of um, a mature Christian where you feel I'm not mature enough because I have not obeyed the law enough or I don't live good enough or any of those things. That's not going to give you life. And number two, don't be deceived in thinking that the message of the resurrection is just elementary and I don't have to focus on that. I must go and look into deeper things, maybe good works or something. When we look at, true Christianity and we look at maturity we, a, a true mature Christian is he who says I've been under the law the basic principles of Christ I was in need where it had to be taught to me for I never understood it but now I am a mature Christian I've, I've heard that and I believe it and now I'm a mature Christian and a mature Christian is somebody who is skilled in this word In other words, you look at that word and you are skilled. Skilled means you know how to apply. You know how to use it. (laughs) You know how to apply it to your own life. You can fully see yourself unified in Christ. In other words, you say, I am innocent. I am righteous, for I'm trusting the living God to bring forth life in me. Um, He, His Spirit, I'm trusting him. His spirit will bring forth life in me. That is what it is all about. That is the mature Christian. And that mature Christian, what is he doing? What is a mature Christian? A mature Christian is he who forgets what was behind him. He forgets the law system. He forgets all the old. He forgets how good he was and how good he got it right and all those kind of things. He forgets the law... And he trusts upon Jesus to be found in God, not having the righteousness of the works, but the righteousness of God, which is the good deed of God done towards us, dwelling in our hearts, so that we might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. For our prayer is, God save us from death. (laughs) That is what it is. I must say, um, as we preach this, I find a lot of people grabbing a hold of this message but i'm also finding some people veering away a bit from this message afraid feeling it sounds weird because what's this weird teaching of the resurrection why is the focus so much on the resurrection why are we not why are we talking about the resurrection all the time look at the apostle paul the thing that was before him was the resurrection that was what he was thinking of and that was what he was hoping for and that was what his life was revolving around in all his teachings. Now, if we go to Colossians 1 and we find the prayer that Paul prays, he says, I pray that you can understand, I I see that this grace message and this hope of the resurrection has brought forth fruit in your life, but I'm praying that all wisdom and all knowledge that you have will be based on this. So to me, the wisdom that I use in everyday life, when it comes to my children, when it comes to, and I use this example, um, I mean, I, it's like everything I own. What if you lose everything tomorrow? Well, the wisdom that I have is that the things of this world can never show forth my life. It is, it can never show forth my blessedness. The only thing that can show forth my life is to be resurrected immortal, I know I'm a son, and no earthly possession can show that forth, neither my health in this life, or the health of my wife, or my children, or my friends, the only thing that can show forth eternal life, that I have, and who I really am, is an immortal body raised from the dead, and the father will prove that sonship, and show bring it forth in that body, so you see how I'm skilled in the word of righteousness, I'm seeing this righteous action of Jesus, which is to give me life for free, by his spirit, not my works, applied to the fear of, what if you lose everything? Um, Like I said last Sunday, when it comes to weight problems, you feel you weigh too much, or you weigh too little, or you know all those kind of things. This this morning I I used this in the Durbanville church, and I used a, a number. I said, you might be sitting here and you feel that 58 kilograms, I don't know how many pounds that is, 58 kilograms is the perfect weight, and if you're one kilogram over that, then your life falls apart, and afterwards a lady came to me, and she says, oh my goodness, 58 kilograms is what I said to God, I must weigh, otherwise I feel bad, you know, so, <laughs> um, you know, we even apply it to, to to weight, like your life does not consist, out of um, the size of your clothes, because who you are, cannot be revealed in, in perfect weight, it can only be revealed in, again, the hope of the resurrection, we put what was behind us, we put it behind, and we're not going back, we have matured, we apply the grace message, so what is a, a, a mature Christian, he who has been taught, the message of the resurrection, who's been taught, the message of repentance of dead works, and who have a life, based on that truth now, glory to God, so when we talk about that, we don't talk talk about the resurrection, from the perspective of, um, It is uh, from a perspective of you are under the law and you must get into this. We talk to it from the perspective of teaching you about what this implies. And we need to understand that as I teach on this, and many preachers will start to teach on this, we teach on this because the church is in need of this basic teaching because they don't understand it. They need to hear that. And we are mature. We take this basic teaching and apply it in every area of our life. Meaning, we all the time talk about this basic teaching, in its application, where we've moved away from the law. Glory to God. Guys, thank you so much for watching this. I want to thank you for just the love that you have towards this ministry, the love that you guys have for the truth. Um, I just apologize. You know, we didn't have our broadcast on YouTube. I think it's a YouTube server problem. We've tried that uh, during Dawn's little message. Um, that she had in the advertisement with John, Dawn Geraldine uh, several times to stream it again everything is correct there's something something wrong with YouTube so uh, this will be uploaded later then we've recorded it and will be uploaded later so thank you so much for watching this and thank you for just sharing this message with other people and just sticking with this message even if it is Uh, controversial even if it is not what everybody sees but thank you for the love that there is in your heart and as you share this and i want to pray that you will have an enlightened mind where you can take this truth and apply it to every area of your life for as it's applied to every area of your life temptation just falls away in those areas and we experience the resurrection power of jesus in that area of our lives glory to god thank you so much for watching this god bless you